Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Swim podcast. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Someone Who Isn't Me, episode number 24. My name is Daniel P. Carter, and my guest on swim for this one is Manuel Gagnon from Zeal and Arda. And over the course of the episode, we talk about the new Zeal and Arda album, which is called Stranger Fruit, which is brilliant. It's due out June the 8th, and we talk a bit about the band's inception, but that's been discussed a lot, so we, we don't linger on it too much, but we mainly discuss the esoteric aspects and topics and themes that run throughout the new album. Um, the album is a great work, so you should definitely check it out when it comes out soon. You can already listen to the singles Gravedigger's Chant, Waste and Built on Ashes, which are already out now. So let's just get into it. This is Manuel Gagnon. I'm going to open my drink first. So essentially what the podcast is, is conversations mm-hmm. with people that I want to have interesting conversations with. And I want it to be about the album specifically but also to move like i want to talk about how you started doing the like zero and arda and stuff like that as well so mm-hmm. if any of that feels a bit boring and repetitive i apologize now totally fine yeah 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 sure it's not the first time <laughs> i know exactly that's what i mean i don't and i, I realize that that can be no. a little little doll and stuff listen okay. other people have proper jobs so i'm yeah right i'm golden yeah yeah i i don't yet so <laughs> I have notes. My notes look like much like the the letters from the lady I was telling you about earlier. But um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, let's let's talk about how how you started doing this because Zeal and Ardo for me it kind of it suddenly appeared and it mm. and it became I was so into it immediately, so sold because it ticked so many boxes for me. Yeah, that that I was all in immediately yeah we noticed but, and we got invited to do the session so yeah thanks for that but what i mean is it's like um you know there was a time where, it, where how it came about and you know you, you did this self-release beforehand and, and i guess not many people know about that and i found it interesting that there, there was something that re- referenced it in this record yeah. just in one of the phrases in in one of the lyrics but um you were doing bird mask originally right exactly yeah so so how did the the transition come about? Because I, I'm I presume you're a person that listens to like a, a like a wide variety of music, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was doing the bird mask thing, which is for the uninitiated, like a, a pop experimental shindig. But I just kind of got bored with it because I, I tend to get bored quickly. And yeah. um, to to counteract that, I would go on 4chan and ask, which is like hell on the internet, pretty much. Yeah. And ask people just to name random musical genres. Hmm. Then I'd take two of them and make a song out of it. Um, 
So there's more than so there more of those things existed outside of Zoo and Arda as well. Yeah, but what, like, what, come, what were some of the others then? Um, one was like aleatoric folk music. One was um, um, danger music with tango influences. Like, but they all sounded pretty shit. Just to be totally transparent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one day one guy said um, black music. Well, in a different way and uh, a black metal and yeah. that idea kind of stuck with me so but it almost feels like it was um see there's more to it than that for me because i think obviously the terminology that he used mm -hmm. is just <laughs> horrendous <laughs> yeah. obviously but i mean that's 4chan for you i guess mm -hmm. but it um it almost feels like that's why why the music sounds like it does like it's informed almost like a, it, like it was it's like a fuck you to that yeah Right, it Would is, you, yeah. But it's it's also it's multiple fuck yous. It's kind of also, in a way, a fuck you to the to the black middle scene as it is now. Yeah, with the you know the whole very strict rules mindset, and in a way that's very counterintuitive to me of what black metal was supposed to be, like this really free fringe experimental thing. Yeah. But now there's all these rules to adhere to, and it's not true if it has this and that, and that's mm. just counterintuitive does that bother you have you got have you had like a do you feel there's been a backlash about that then in that case i mean i feel the backlash against my music because you know it takes all these it doesn't really deal with those rules and it's not true and not cult but i'm also at peace with it like yeah. in the end i don't really want to be part of that scene if that means i need to stick to all these rules yeah yeah I was going to say, if why would you set all these parameters on on creativity? But I, I, I guess great things do come out of that. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, hate on everything that 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 produced. It's just that um, this this blind intolerance is kind of aggressive. Yeah. And you know, it, I'm happy that music like this exists, but I'm also very intrigued by new music to to grow from it. Yeah. Were you a fan of black metal in? It? Prior to this, then yeah, yeah, very yeah. much so. Like I, I listened to black metal since I was like fourteen because uh -huh. it was like the most aggressive, most fast music. Yeah, and for a teenage boy, that's like the best thing in the world, of course. Yeah, of course. Like for me, it was like hardcore. So it was, yeah, yeah, same vibe. Yeah, but then when did you realize that that there was that this was like as you said, all the others felt very throwaway mm -hmm. and just just didn't work. When when was the point? What was the point where you suddenly went? this is a whole new creative thing like where it actually feels like a cohesive thing rather i mean yeah i mean to clarify the first few songs i did sounded horrendous but yeah. I, I always thought there is something here that is musically interesting because both the soul stuff or the the spiritual stuff and the metal stuff have this this um emotional force it's never like i feel meh but i feel fucking angry oh am i last yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i'm fucking pissed or i'm i'm super elated and it's euphoria or catharsis always not never like a compromise of feeling and i think those things bounce off yeah, each other the, well yeah because they feel like they both have that which yeah. is which is bizarre when you think about it it just totally, feels right? they're, they're like polar <laughs> opposites yeah but then that's the beautiful thing about it because w when i'm when i got the new record like things jump out to me particularly because I'm a nerd and, I, and I'm really interested in a lot of esoteric stuff. Like, so straight away, as soon as I see Solvay and Coagula in anything, mm -hmm. that's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> then, then that means that person at least has a surface understanding of what that represents. Mm -hmm. And I think that this whole project or this whole band or this whole creative endeavor of Zero and Arda is really 
um, represented by that. You know, like solvate and coagula as a as a an alchemical mm-hmm. theme. That's what this 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 would feels like to me. Or am I reading too much into no, it? No, actually, that's that's exactly the intent. It's um, we dissolve and kind of um, make something liquid and form it into like this waxy consistency, and you know, have it coagulate into something entirely new. That's yeah. that's the intention. So yeah, yeah, kudos, to take man. apart and put back together. Yeah, I'm so stoked you got that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it it feels like this is um. Because it like there's a lot of things that um like a lot of people use um, references and terminology within songs and stuff because they've kind of skimmed like wiki and, mm-hmm. and they're like oh that's cool that's that sounds really evil yeah and um and that's cool fine if sure. if you're using things for an aesthetic um surface sheen that's cool because. Mm-hmm that's still going to imbue your work with everything that those things represent, whether you're aware of that or not, yeah, right? Yeah. That's how I feel, because if you apply certain maxims to your work, even if you don't understand them, mm-hmm. it's going to seep in. Exactly. Um, which is why, like, when I, when I got um, the debut album and, and, and I was, like, picking through it like I do, unfortunately, on first <laughs> listen of things, like, I... I, I I, I enjoy things, but at the same time, I have like an almost um, not analytical. Well, yeah, it is actually, but I, 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 yeah, I get that, and I have that too. Like that, that impatience of, well, yeah, I, I get it. I, it's emotionally resonating with me, but I think this is supposed to go in that direction, or this might be meant this way. And yeah, or why yeah. have they said that? And, and yeah. why is this in there? And like the the Crowley sample on on the first record, I can't even remember what song it's in. Uh, I think it's in... I'm terrible with song titles. Me too, even with my own. Yeah. It's in a song, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I recognize it straight away because his voice is so distinctive. Yeah. And um, and there's a there's a fragment of it in... Um, D- uh, uh, don't you dare. It's Fire of, Mo- Fire of Motion. Yes, in, exactly. Um, there, is that also the one... Um, because I like picking through things where I hear like samples of things and, mm-hmm. and, and I realize that things just sound cool and fit well, but then I also want to know where they're from. And there was the one... Um, it's ah, that, yeah. The Detractors and Accusers exactly. make, uh, making ideal human sacrifices. What's that from? That's Anton LaVey, actually. Is it LaVey? Yeah. Ah, because I knew I knew it, and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't work out where it was from. Is it from Satanic... Um, not from the Bible, it's from the... Um, is it from the rituals? Uh, or actually, is it from the Bible? It's where? just from an interview he gave. Ah, and I, okay. I cut it out of a, of a, a YouTube clip because I'm a professional musician. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I knew I recognized it. And I was like... Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to... I, like, I was going through my mental Rolodex going, where's that from? Where's that from? I know that. I know that. Yeah. And then yeah. I was trying to look up through different books. Ah, okay, cool. Do those things resonate with you then in Crowley and LaVey? Well, or is it just actually kind of not LaVey? Actually, I'm more uh, team um, uh, Satanic Temple than I'm Church of okay. Satan. Because um, yeah, certain aspects of it are just silly. Like the no mercy for the weak thing, I yeah. think, is utter bullshit. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, the fulfillment of the ego and the appreciation of your urges, that's just honesty. And I, I yeah, yeah, that's something I can subscribe to. Yeah, because Levain Satanism is like humanism dressed up in a spooky cape, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, I I sport spooky capes sometimes. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't I'm, knock I'm all that. for that. But um, <laughs> all my notes, like I I said to you, are kind of really shambolic as I've gone through different things. So mm-hmm. if we can pick through it, and if it makes no sense, sort of 
in, in any real timeline or how the track listing flows, then mm-hmm. I apologize now. Whatever, let's do it. Cool. I'm, I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm into this. Yeah, because, um, yeah, so I, I thought about the alchemical beginnings, first of all. Um, so the title, obviously, itself of the album, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's a clear reference to, uh, to Transformers um, 3. The yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the best one. Yeah. To Mirapol. Mm-hmm. And then Billy Holiday. Exactly. You were saying to me earlier that, that you felt, um, or, or I, I feel that the, the, the kind of resonance of, of the sound of the spirituals and, and their history of where they're from, from like black culture in early America and how it was, how that grew. Mm-hmm. It was it was always used and utilized within the music, but it was never really specifically addressed. Addressed, yeah. And this record, it feels like there is, like I said to you earlier, like on Servants and Row, it, it mm-hmm. feels exactly. And I just wanted to be more specific about that because, as I said, I didn't really provide context in the first record, which was which added to the mystery of it all. But I think, especially nowadays, I think I owe it because. Yeah. Me, me, myself being mixed, and I grew up in Switzerland. I'm far removed from you know having experienced any sort of you know plight similar to that of the you know the American, uh, the black American community back in the day. So yeah, for me to just you know take these simulacra and just use them in a funny way that sounds bad. So I felt yeah, responsible. I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't feel like you were though. I felt like those. It was. No, no. I mean, but it could be perceived that way. Yeah. And I just want to clarify that. Yeah. With this record a little bit. Yeah, you can definitely feel that. And you were saying about how that then is sat within a modern context as well. What did you mean about that? Um. Well, uh, Stranger Fruit is yeah an extension of Strange Fruit, where yeah. um, Billie Holiday sang of you know the f- fruit hanging in the tree, but. Um, but she meant, you know, the hanged people. Yeah, the lynchings. Exactly. And stranger fruit are the, the fruit actually, you know, sitting lifeless or laying lifeless on the ground with shot wounds in their flesh. Yeah. That was kind of the allusion to that. And with songs like um, Servants, it's not quite clear if I'm, you know, if it's a, a, a slave riot being being called to action or if it's like an appeal to the American middle class at the moment, it's, I really revel in that ambiguity of it yeah. and maybe, and it's very possible that no one will ever like read into it. What, what I read into it, which is fine, but for my personal piece, it was important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think great art is, is multifaceted anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it should be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah. Th- if, th- if things are clear cut, see, this is a, one of the problems why, I feel about doing things like this because it's almost like these are conversations for me to clarify what I think but, uh, or, and, yeah. and find out what those things are and then find out what somebody means, which is not always the best way. Yeah, I mean... But, it, I, d- yeah. but I think they're good conversations to have. Yeah, it feeds that hunger. I think as long as you have that curiosity or it, it, it instills a curiosity, that's already a, a success in my book because the interpretation, I, I do not have control over what people read into it. Yeah. And I'm at utter and total peace with that. So I do revel in the possibility of actually explaining what I think it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I thought it's funny as well because um, obviously listening to it and thinking about the title and everything that that implies and, and the lineage of those concepts, I guess, you know, about the original poem and then his wife setting it to music and singing it and mm-hmm. then Billie Holiday taking it and making it this 
this enormous thing yeah. that resonates across the world and then you have like Kanye doing blood on the leaves mm-hmm. and then you have it and, it and that makes perfect sense but then you know like a week ago he's saying slavery is a choice and it's just like all these things are just yeah yeah I just uh, Kanye I think he's just being contrarian for marketing purposes so. I think so so I don't want to really give that any room because people are obviously writing about it and reading into it and I think he's just kind of, you know, counting his cash at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a dangerous game to play. I Certainly, think. yeah. Especially at the yeah. moment. It's careless, I think. Yeah. Especially when you've got someone like Donald Glover just put out the new video. Yeah. And and then you go, there you go. Yeah. It works, why right? Didn't, why didn't you do that? <laughs> because this is so artful and it gets the point across and it's great. And it's a perfect commentary and... and, and Nothing is laid out yeah, too clearly. It's such a beautiful video. I also love the song, actually. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Good boy. Good boy, Donald. Yeah, yeah, nice. (laughs) You've done good. (laughs) So, in the press release, Mm -hmm. there's there's a few things that it references very quickly Uh as as things that have informed the making of the record. Yeah. Um, And I wanted to get into a bit of about that sort of stuff if we could like um it said i can't even remember exactly what it said but it said about um yoruba people about the goetia and, and uh, the the grimoire of abramelin yeah. yes yeah. okay so let's start with um the yoruba people yeah um, and what how's that informed it and why why do you have a well um it's less the yoruba people but the yoruba religion yeah um chrislam yeah yeah my dad used to well he's still a like a he's the white wine uh, the white one by the way he used to play he's the white wine of the family <laughs> Shit. anyway um this bottle of white wine used to play in salsa bands and um he would be the percussionist and those salsa people would also because they're from cuba uh, perform these yoruba rituals where he would also take part in Okay. And these are these really intricate, um, complicated polyrhythmic things. Yeah. But very repetitive. And um, in these seances, um, when you're born in in the Yoruba belief, you have a god ascribed to you. So you have a certain dance you do, and you get possessed by this god in these rituals. So I saw that when I was like seven, and it kind of stuck with me. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine that would. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's like one of the most strange, magical, and utterly bizarre things that I've witnessed. And uh, yeah, I've incorporated those rhythms into into Stranger Fruit, and uh, as a kind of nod to that whole world. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think the whole idea of syncretic Christian ideals is amazing, because it's such a... The idea of it is so bizarre because it's almost like camouflaging a religion in Christian iconography yeah. so, so that they can yeah. continue practicing their yeah. own faith. Like but Santeria the, and stuff like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. and Palomayombe and mm-hmm. Kimbanda and all of those different... I mean, essentially, they all feel like facets of the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's kind of yeah, a it's camouflaged a, self-belief or their own belief. Yeah, of like a, of a set of gods and orishas and... Yeah. But... But yeah, I like the idea of, of of hiding them amongst Christian saints. Yeah, I think it's really subversive. It's, and, yeah. but, but then, but then to that makes sense in a, in a way because if you look at things on an archetypal level, anyway, mm-hmm. you're looking at facets of the same thing, right, from a different perspective. Exactly, it's just a different name. Yeah, so Christians are bound to have this similar archetypical figure 
just named differently and yeah. it's easy to stick your your actual homeboy <laughs> behind that name then yeah yeah it kind of yeah it kind of echoes through the entire world in weird ways yeah do you, so have you actually looked into any of those practices yourself so you're saying about um how you you're putting those rhythms within the work mm -hmm. is that is, why are you doing that um since <laughs> what's up with that <laughs> what's up with that is that because um they're interesting rhythms and you feel a connection to it or because you actually want to imbue it with um, something uh less tangible um actually it's it's both of those things first of all because i grew up with this and this is something that i i learned from my father and i couldn't really get rid of it hmm. also it's it's one it's an african religion and i think to to backtrack to spirituals to go one step back would just to go uh be to go to that yeah and uh, so this is like the roots of roots music and i think it has its place it's earned place in my whole pantheon of weird references yeah. through that and that's the reason i wanted to in some way shape or form incorporate it yeah that makes sense and you said about roots as well it's interesting because you, you like you obviously reference poplars in that when you were saying about in the, in the, i think it was in the press release yeah. but obviously that references strange fruit itself but there's a thing it was actually in in the track stranger fruit mm -hmm. um so the thing that, that um the lyric beckoning call from the crown to the root this tree don't fall like the thing about poplars is they're known because they have they're used as almost like this archetypal yeah. thing because they have really deep roots exactly which also references back to what you just said right yeah Oh, am I reading too much? Into no, no, actually, it's exactly what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it also... No. Um, yeah, but I the think, line yeah. from the crown to the root also made me think of from Keith to Malkuth on the Tree of Life. Is that, uh, uh, that wasn't intentional, actually. No? I, th I think it was just uh, the hierarchy of, this, uh, of society. Okay. Because there's... It runs so deep. I guess um, there's this... Uh, America believes it's in a post-racist racist society right now. Yeah. And the belief is shared, you know, through, throughout the entire society. Do you and think it actually is, though? No way. No. no. Yeah, I don't think people actually believe that, though. Some people do. Yeah. Some people do. And, um... I think, but just in the middle. I think it's the people that sit in the middle that believe that we are beyond this. But then my reference doesn't work. Damn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> anyway. Uh, That's just my opinion. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, the idea is just that the structure is is so so um, high and so so deeply rooted that it's just not really it's endemic. It will yeah. never cha never change. Exactly. Do you think though? That's well, pretty, that's, that's, that's a pretty bleak. It outlet. is a bleak out a bleak output. I mean, the reason I I I call to attention these things is that I wanted to change. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So and art is a is a great means of change. Yeah. Or I mean, I'm I'm not kind of imbuing my worldviews on other people. It's just kind of observations I I want to make. Yeah, the but, yeah, yeah. The art that anyone makes is is a representation of themselves and how they feel, right? It's yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's got to be. be yeah, yeah, be honest. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Exactly. But yeah. I'm not saying this is, this is, this is how it's always going to be and um, everything is shit. It's more like a call to action. But the yeah. last thing I want to do is tell people what to think. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because there's enough of that going on already. I'm afraid so. Yeah. <laughs> Ship on fire. Yeah. Like I said, things jump out at me. For a start, anything that where you say it, you say about Widdishins, and is it seven letters in seven rows? Yeah. So that made me... And then when it does the Milan, Irago, Lamal, Ogari, yeah. Merlin, but it doesn't have the last two on it. Oh, fuck, you noticed? Yeah. Yes. But yeah. that's like magic squares. And that's exactly. That's from, as you said earlier, from Abermelon. Yeah. 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 Um, those are actually formulas to uh, summon specific events. And yeah. I think that one, I think, I know that one is to summon uh, Hailstorm, actually. Okay. Because uh, in, another, in another one that I heard, it's like if you write the, the Milan Square on a parchment and put it under your hat, it allows you, um, yeah, spirits will grant you... Um, Insights. Insights into past and future events. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different interpretation, interpretations yeah. right, of that book, and uh, some people kind of mixed them up. I yeah. don't know who's right, who's wrong. Have you ever done any of those? Do you, do you like, use any goetic magic or anything like that? Have you ever... I'm, I'm kind of more into chaos magic and yeah. sigil magic. Me too. Um, and... Uh, well, the stuff like Grant Morrison says, I'm, I'm pretty much into that. So he he's talking about hyper sigils and yeah. um, how how powerful it is to cast these in whatever shape you want to cast them. I tend to release them as albums. Yeah, I was so, about to say yeah. that's that's exactly what this feels like. Yeah, that, like we were talking about the the distillation and then bringing back together. You could look at it that that the music is like a giant thematic sigil, right? Yeah, and I mean. It, it's just the the album logo. That's uh, that's uh, everything that I put out. So yeah, in a way, who knows? Maybe it worked. It seems to be. Yeah, but I'm not going to say what I wish because uh, or what I'm trying to cast. Yeah. Do you like Peter Carroll stuff? Do you read his? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's mm. uh, interesting because it's what very about spare. Do you go about that far? No. Austin Osman spare? No. Oh, okay, you no. need to. Okay, I'll check it out then. Yeah, he's he's the guy that invented sigil magic. Oh shit. He was an he was a, a British artist, and he he was the youngest artist to um, present at the Royal Academy when he was like fourteen. This was like in nineteen. My dates are terrible, but around nineteen, sort of eighteen. Wow. Okay. And then he became a war artist, 
and they've got some stuff of his in the uh, Imperial War Museum. Like there's a famous one of a guy tending uh, a guy in a gas attack. But then he he became he worked more and more. He he would make um, automatic drawings, and then he he did the, this thing called the Book of Pleasure, and then through that he invented sigil magic. Wait, the Book of Pleasure rings a bell. Yeah, you should definitely have a look at that. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, because he, I mean, it was him that, um, like Kenneth Grant was the guy that that was like this guy is is the guy. Yeah, and there's there's like you know there's this story that Crowley was like no 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 this because they apparently they they. They were aware of each other in um, at some point in time, and Crowley was like, "No, this guy's part of the Dark Brotherhood. He shouldn't be do- like doing what he's doing." Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> "Even more." But his artwork's incredible. Yeah, yeah, his paintings and his drawings are, are unreal. He used to go, he used to put himself in a trance, and then just draw. And then when he came out of it, that you know the stories are that the, this, his studio would just be littered with these holy shit fantastical drawings of like entities oh oh i should very much check this guy out then yeah yeah it's cool i finally like got the description of your art now it's somewhere between andrew wyeth and francis bacon okay you have this this impeccable like very filigrane um stroke that you do but you also have the like that aggressive vehemence of francis bacon and it kind of just fucking works thank you sorry just click now thanks (laughs) I don't feel like I should be mentioned uh, in a sentence with either of those people, but yeah, that's great. There you go, it happened. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, what What's the deal with the um, the Goetia references and stuff? Um, well, a lot of these demons tended to have like a bunch of slaves. Yeah. But like hordes of them. And I think that's uh, just another layer to, to draw similarities to that. Yeah. Also, this is something I... I kind of grew up with, well, I grew up without, like, any belief. My my parents were like, look, there's all these religions. People are into them. Check them out if you want to. We're yeah. not pressuring you or anything. So I read all these religious texts, and, of course, I got fascinated by this sort of thing. And, um, again, it's like a thing I grew up with and was always fascinated by. Yeah. What, like, stuff like Duplantis, like the Dictionary Inferno and stuff. Because yeah, for me, exactly. that was like... As soon as I started looking into that, and I'd see seals, and then see the actual those. Oh, I can't remember the guy's name that, that illustrated. Yeah, um, these like these uh, lithographs or yeah, these, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. The so guy. powerful and striking, mm-hmm. and just felt at the time like when I was like nerdy heavy metal kid, I was just like, this is cool. Exactly, and for a kid, that's just yeah, yeah. It's basically my my picture books back in the day. Yeah, I find <laughs> that stuff um, really fascinating. I've never really gone into that. Um, that magic, though, because I, I, I'm really cautious of it. Yeah, but same with the with the Abramelin stuff. Uh, you notice that I cut off, yeah, two uh, two rows of it. That's exactly that cautious thing because so I probably shouldn't have even mentioned it. But yeah, yeah okay. But if like someone's just kind of singing along and <laughs> by accident doing something really bad, yeah. that would be on me. So that's why I keep them censored. Ah, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, in so in we can't be found. You say about um, there's a few names that are, are in there, but then there's some that I didn't recognise. That I didn't like. There was um, Amalek, which is another mm-hmm. is another form of Samael, right? Yeah, poison of God. Is Amalek? Um, 
it's so hard to like think of lyrics. I know, contest. man. I'm sorry, but no, then, okay. but then there was some German in there as well. The Wart nicht auf auf die Antwort. Yeah. Kommt, sie kommt. Um, that's actually just like a phonetic decision because that there, if you say uh, "Don't wait for the answer," it's She's never coming. Gonna, yeah, yeah, it's it's never gonna be as hard as like "Warte nicht auf die Antwort." That's just because yeah. it sounded, for lack of a better term, more metal. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, mm. this bands have made careers out of it. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It was, I was saying earlier about, um, about it being, uh, about a point that sent was almost self-referential to the, like the first ever release. And that was, it. I was, sorry, I'm only just getting mm -hmm. to it, which was in Don't You Dare, where it says about the Alexis Belial, Bellator Halli Ra. Yeah, exactly. Which is, Bellator Halli Ra was a, oh, fuck. Don't mind me, I'm just no. pouring water over my pants, mainly. <laughs> Honest. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a song of the the now non-existent first release. You uh, know you can still find I some, though. Like no, no, you cannot, podcast listeners. It was impossible. <laughs> Scrubbed off the face of the internet. But oh. if you have a torrent client, you might <laughs> fucking <laughs> find a way. Yeah. I don't mm. have a full copy of it, though. I've got bits. Ooh. You have to... Um, I can send you... I mean, no. <laughs> no, it doesn't Ooh. exist. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What else did I want to talk about? I made notes about um, You Ain't Coming Back. See, that's one that seems like it really references like Grimoire Magic. Yeah. About um, don't let anybody step in the circle now. And don't let anybody tell you you're safe. <laughs> and who dares um, come into where I'm standing. That's like obviously... Is that what that was referencing? That was exactly that. Just yeah. uh, basically. And uh, if that was actually because it's basically like a, a warning and an instruction how to yeah. uh, to properly do a summoning. But it's the poppiest song of the record. Yeah. And I, I find that just very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think those balances are great. Mm, I did, do you, hmm? No, go on. I did something similar with the final track where it's, you know, the one of the most... Um, digestible songs of the record yeah but it's also lyrically i think one of the darkest because it's just kind of hopeless yeah yeah nice one to finish on <laughs> i'll leave you with that i i am um, i was reading something recently and, it, and i found it really fascinating they were talking about um i mean it it's a series of i'll tell you about it afterwards if you want because it's a long-winded thing but it's a series of books and it covers everything that you'll probably be interested in through like conspiracy theories cia programs serial killers oh my magic and then into like trans-dimensional stuff and ufos and one of the things that was in it in one of the books was saying about how this guy had a theory that um are you are you uh, into ufo stuff yeah right okay I thought yeah, you might heavily. be. <laughs> so, have you noticed that in a lot of UFO literature recently and stuff online, the, the word demonic keeps appearing now? Yeah. That's weird, right? It is. Do you think... Why do you think that is? I have no idea. I mean, who's who's writing these things, I guess? Exactly. You could just go, ah, oh, these are all cranks. And But I find it interesting that, that as we were saying earlier, like the different Orishas and gods and... Uh, all aspects of the same thing and now and now i find it fascinating that, that that people are kind of putting other kinds of folklores together yeah right yeah. so like 
kind of get hands into that mono myth thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that very Campbellian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ca- yeah. But <clears> um, <throat> the idea that uh, that that word now is appearing a lot in in ufologists talk or or some of the more fringe ones yeah of course because the other ones are like no they're beings from space and they're very smart and they've made <laughs> spaceships exactly but then other people are saying well actually no these are things from a- another realm and you could just say that that is like in a, an almost like a quantum way like it's a it, or uh like a di- multi-dimensional thing mm-hmm. or you could look at it in a in a more religious context. Yeah, like in a, in an Islamic context, it would be, that would be the jinn realm, right? And exactly. The, and the jinn themselves, and then, but yeah, I, I just find it fascinating that people are now saying that there's that 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 word in particular is getting bandied around. But he he said about this theory that um, sort of playing on that that uh, he found it interesting that spaceships that are being seen are either circular or triangular mm-hmm. and how that references in like solomonic magic and and uh, ceremonial magic like yeah tri- triangles and circles for for points of of protection for viewing and summoning things yeah that's true it's pretty nuts right yeah it is pretty nuts and it kind of fucking makes sense too yeah Shit. how things can ap- appear out of nowhere and then disappear or supposedly yeah. allegedly yeah Allegedly, right? Um, yeah. Also, like, have you heard of machine elves or something? Yeah, like that? of yeah. course, DMT. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, also, that's that. See, that's what I had this conversation. <laughs> so I had a conversation with, um, you know, Tom DeLong. Yeah. Okay. So I had a conversation with him a long time ago, and I came off sounding like a maniac. I think okay. looking back on it, because I was talking to him about how I'd been reading a lot of reading books about DMT. And how a lot of things were referencing, like Rick Strassman was saying that when he first started doing those first experiments mm-hmm. and the clinical trials for the spirit, mo- what became the Spirit Molecule book, that people were having similar encounters with similar beings that were recognizing them next time they were back. Yeah. This is all alleged, obviously. And how... He then started to having to take into account and read lots of literature on alien abduction because it, he was finding as many parallels within that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, also, like, I wouldn't know this, but if, allegedly, if you take enough um, mushrooms, you can encounter these beings also. <laughs> Again, I, uh, some, some blog probably wrote about it. And um, the thing is, these beings actually tend to, like, you're a dog. Like, they're, they sh- show you, allegedly, show you, like, portals and different things you just can't comprehend. Yeah. But in a way that they know you can't get it. So, yeah, check this out. You're, you're too stupid to figure it out anyway, but look. I'm going to blow your mind right now. <laughs> yeah. Look at this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, yeah, that really kind of resembles the whole alien abduction thing, yeah. I believe. But then uh, there's also talk about people that would be um, experiencing DMT where they, they would almost be like they, they're aware that there's something behind here mm-hmm. that, that would be the, the answer to everything that they're looking for. But in the meantime, there's a, something that looks like an archetypal like Egyptian god or yeah. something going, look at this, look at this, look exactly. at this. And it's almost like a distraction to not pass through to the next point. Yeah. It might be that. Maybe. Yeah. I've, I have a friend who uh, actually takes a lot of mushrooms on his blog post. <laughs> so, anyway. This, po- this podcast is called Swim. Someone yeah. who isn't me anyway. So, yeah. yeah carry on. <laughs> and um, 
he says or she says that um, the, these these uh, machine elves are just kind of annoying because you kind of want to you know transcend or you know figure something out. Yeah. But yeah, they're just there to distract you. Yeah. But then that trickster element has been in within every kind of old religion anyway. Yeah, exactly. There's always that that person. Mm-hmm. And that's always been their job. Yeah, precisely. But then they also help the story along at many times as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they have narrative value. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Speaking of which, mm-hmm. the fool and the hermit as yeah. as tracks. Um, I feel like I'm jumping around a bit, but it all seems totally to fair. kind of make sense to me yeah. at this point. Yeah. They're both cards within the Major Arcana mm-hmm. that that have like a narrative. I mean, the whole Major Arcana is a narrative itself, or it can yeah. be interpreted as. Yeah. So there's the full is the is is one of the tracks, mm-hmm. and um, and that represents obviously like the start of a journey or somebody that's been on a journey and then come back. Right? Exactly. And uh, the Hermit is also a journeyman, but uh, it's far more reflected and collected. And yeah. I think uh, to me, Stranger Food also has heavy heavy. Um, thematic relevance to departure or just you know leaving stuff behind and both those cards are well they depict a person going somewhere yeah and the fool has you know more also musically it's more fun I guess and has more levity yeah and um, the hermit is the exact opposite it's just this heavy broody thing but both have like to me personally at least uh, this this air of, of departure yeah yeah. Awesome. Let me see where we're at. Okay. I just don't, I'm just conscious of taking up all your time. Well, I'm good. So, okay. So since we've talked about a lot of these things and kind of referenced a bunch of things like magic and then uh, exploration of different realms via different means. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> or, or the possibility to. Yeah. If other people have informed us of. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I, I often speak about with, with most people on, when we do these, um, musicians in particular, is about um, what their thought of of what creativity is and where it comes from. Yeah. Do you, um, do you, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like most people are of the opinion that I've spoken to. It, uh, if I share the opinion that um, we are conduits to make things right mm-hmm. and and when you're focused on things and and you're in a good mindset those things can move through you better do you find that or is that not? yeah actually yeah i can agree with that um but i tend to be very unromantic about creativity itself because um you get into this superstitious thing where you're like oh if i didn't drink coffee i can't be creative so i need to have coffee right and then wait i i got up with the wrong foot today, so it's not going to be a creative day. Yeah. But I just tend to um, create as much as I can. Yeah. And like eighty percent of it's going to be bad, but at least you know the the motor's running. And um, yeah, when you're mining, you'll find like gold exactly amongst it. And if we are conduits and we happen to be creating anyway, hey, you can be conduit right then because you're already you know in the process of it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any kind of belief in those sort of things? I it feels like you do. Well, yeah, but I think I also have to be very uh, uh, cautious of it 
Because if I, like I said, if I say that, um, if I decide to think that um, creativity demands certain things, it can get into habits and very, very silly habits. Yeah. Be it wearing th the same hat every day yeah. up until like abusing substances or, or something like that. So um, luckily I haven't found too many regularities or too many like um, factors in what it, what I need to be creative. Yeah. So to me, it's still a mystery. And I think the reason you ask this question is because obviously there's no definitive answer. Hmm. And I'm at peace with that because I just try. Yeah. Has your creative process changed though since, since the inception of this? Because, I mean, with this record, as, as we said earlier when we were, were over at, at my work, we mm -hmm. were talking and um, you said that the approach has changed because there are the means to allow that to happen now. Like yeah. The first thing, which has never been released and shall never be found again on the internet, mm -hmm. and the debut album, you made at home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and was that, was that working alone on those things? Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. But this one, you now have a, a touring band. Did they work with you on the record? Did you... No, actually, uh, the writing process was exactly the same. It was in the same basement and kitchen where I recorded the... Uh, yeah, where I recorded Devil is Fine. So the 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 actual creative part was was still exactly the same process, but yeah. the whole polishing and reamping and making everything real purdy part that was done <laughs> with with the help of of a producer and then with a with a mixer. And um yeah, I mean the only the only difference is um yeah, I have a, a live drummer drumming. The rest is still done by me pretty yeah. much. So but did that? Do you feel like having toured with the with a band has that changed your creative process in the sense of you're either thinking how are we going to do this live, or we now have the ability to be able to do it like this, and this would sound better now because mm -hmm. because I know what it's going to sound like when the band plays it. I'm subconsciously, I'm sure that happened, but um, yeah. Well, part of what made the first record great in my head was that I didn't really have an audience that I catered to. Yeah. And that was a mindset I tried to um, uphold as best as possible. Which and is, is going to be tough now because, you yeah, know, the, yeah. the, you've, had, you've had a lot of attention for this. Exactly. And I, I know I, I, you can't do that, like 100%. But I mean, mm. where it was possible, I tried to just for, yeah, kind of isolate myself and just make music that I enjoyed. Awesome. Sweet. I, thank you for that. Thank you. I think we're good, right? Yeah. Cool. I need to pee. So. <laughs> Perfect. Good place to stop. <laughs> oh, shit. Thank you to Manuel for doing this episode. I'm pretty excited because I'm actually going to go and see Zeal and Arda play tonight in London. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram, which is just at Zeal and Arda. They've got a bunch of dates over the summer at various European festivals, including Download, Wacken and Talbotol and Arc Tangent and Lowlands. And the album Stranger Fruit is due out June 8th. I'm out. Peace. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop 
dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 